Five Church, how we doing this morning? It is great to have you guys with us. And before we jump to today's message, I want to ask you a question today. Um, who would you consider right now to be the most important person on planet Earth? And you can't say Jesus in church. Jesus answered everything, um, but not for this one. And just think about that for a second. Who is the most important person on planet Earth? And I want to open with that and ask you that, because today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about who that person is. And Jesus even knew who that person is, and Jesus talked about that. So what happened is, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 16 this morning, John 16. But what happened is, before Jesus was crucified, he took his disciples to what they believed to be an upper room somewhere, and he had the, what they call the upper room discourse, most scholars will tell you, John 14, 15, and 16. And then in John 17, that's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he gives, again, uh, that night of prayer to God and all that. But what happens in this upper room discourse is Jesus starts really talking to them about kind of what's going to happen. And they're still in the dark. Remember, the disciples were not in on this crucifixion thing. They didn't, they, that was not what they thought was going to happen. Furthest thing from their mind. And so they didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about. It's like this weird thing where like he's like, they think he's taken over as a political king, and he's getting ready to make a departure. Two totally different like frameworks, right? So in John 14, he talks to them about what's going to happen. That's when he talks about, I'll go to my father, and, there, and, and there'll be rooms there for you, mansions, and things of that nature. And they're thinking, what is he talking about, going to his father and leaving mansions and all that? And, then, and, and, you know, and at one point, you know, Thomas and Peter both asked, like, well, where are you going? And they're wondering, what's going to happen to us if you go? Because everything for them, it was all about what was in it for them because they were going to follow this political king who's going to be the king of Israel again. So in 14, he's talking about that, and, this, and it's really like an enigma to them. They're like, what is he talking about, right? In the next chapter, in John 15, he talks about the vine and the branches and staying connected to him, remaining in him. And then in John 16, Jesus talks about this departure once again, but now he has a different twist on it. He talks about why it's going to be advantageous if he does go away. And what you see in John 16 is one of the key chapters to us understanding Christian doctrine, and especially about the most important person on earth. And if you have your Bibles, look at John chapter 16, verse 5. And Jesus says now, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Now they did ask where he was going in John 14. But they weren't concerned so much about him as they were them. And so then Jesus unpacks it now about really what this means. He said, I, instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Because you're like, man, you mean I'm not going to get my way? You're not going to be a political king? We're not going to like, you know, sit on one on the right hand and one on the left, and we're not going to rule and reign. What is happening here, Jesus? I didn't sign up for this. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It is advantageous for you that I go away. And then he begins to tell them why. If I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me and righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world, it's not Satan there, has already been judged. And there's much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, 
he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but, he, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. What I want to tell you today, and what we're going to look at over the next several weeks, is the most important person on planet Earth. And that person is the Holy Spirit of God. So if you have your notes, write this down. This is very important. The Holy Spirit is the most important and also the most forgotten person on earth. I mean, many times in our faith traditions, we kind of just don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Some churches, and we'll talk about this a little later, they way, way, you know, just over-sensualize the Holy Spirit, right? You go to some churches, it's kind of crazy. But in other churches, it's like, man, it's like they believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. And the Holy Spirit's nowhere to, because, you know, they, they don't want to open that can of worms. But I want to tell you this, that when Jesus went away, he sent the Holy Spirit to us. And that is the most important person on planet Earth. The Holy Spirit, as I said last week, cult religions believe that the Holy Spirit is a force, a wind. But to us, as Protestant Christian believers, the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Holy Trinity. God the Father sent the Son, and then the Son sends the Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit, you'll learn, sends us. And I want to talk to you about that. I believe so many believers in their lives are lacking, are lacking this important aspect to their walk with the Lord. It's almost like they don't even want to, I mean, they don't understand the Holy Spirit, so let's not even worry about it. Or maybe you're someone who you were taught the wrong way about the Holy Spirit. And I want to clear up over the next three weeks, and we call, we call this series Ghost Stories because that what we called the Holy Spirit of old was the Holy Ghost, right? That's what grandma and grandpa called him was the Holy Ghost. And I want to help you understand the Holy Spirit of God. And so in John 16, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. And as I just said, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The thing you have to understand is this, the Holy Spirit indwells every follower of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus. You cannot become a follower of Jesus without having the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells the church at Ephesus, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. Now let me ask you a question. People who don't know Jesus, are they dead? No, they're, they're very much alive to us, right? So what was Paul talking about? That their spirit was dead. That they had to be made alive again. That's what he says, but you were made alive in Christ Jesus. The first work of the Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ, when you repent of your sins, believe upon Christ as Lord. And you say, man, Lord, I follow you. I accept you. I receive you. I repent. I turn to you. What happens at that point is the Holy Spirit then regenerates your spirit and you made, you're made alive again. I'll never forget the night that I gave my life to Jesus. Everything turned. Now, did I feel this really cool, awesome thing happen? Did I go down to the altar and just, like, cry a whole lot? And, and just, did, did I go home like, oh, I feel like I'm just a new person? I didn't. I came home and told my mom I got saved. And my mom started crying, right? Because she had fallen away from Jesus, but she knew, she knew how, what that meant. She's crying. I'm like, hey, just chill out, mom. I like, hey. I mean, I went to church. I said this prayer. I'm going to keep going to church, you know? <laughs> I'm going to read the Bible. Um, I knew something had happened, but I wasn't sure. What had happened was I was made alive. 
the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. Now, some believers will differ on this thing, though. Here's the thing that they will differ on. Can you be filled with the Holy Spirit after he indwells you? Some will say yes, some will say no, and that's a big contention in Christianity. Uh, my personal opinion is for me, and this does not have to be your opinion, is that I believe a, a follower of Jesus should always be, be, be seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You should always be asking the Lord to fill you more and more. Paul says, do not be drunk with the wine, but be filled with the Spirit, meaning this. That word is not just a one-time thing, but continually live a life full of the Holy Spirit. So I'm always asking the Holy Spirit to fill me, to, to make me full of him, to live for Jesus, right? The, the next thing I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit is this. Not only does he indwell every follower of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit helps us. He's our comforter. He helps us. Christianity is not you listening to me preach and then you going and trying really hard to do it. Christianity is you hear the teachings of Scripture, you realize you can't live up to it, right? And instead of getting beat down and just trying harder, you have to surrender more. Saying, Lord, I surrender to you and I need your Holy Spirit to do in me what I cannot do in myself. For when we're weak, then we're made strong. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is not the story of strong people. Christianity is the story of very weak people who have the Spirit of God in them. And as they declare their weakness and know they're weak, then Jesus' strength is perfected in them. He helps us in our weaknesses. The next thing is this. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So when you're a believer and you do, like, give your life to Jesus, one thing that will happen is the things that you used to just love to do that are sin, you don't feel so good about them anymore. It's like, oh, man, I just don't, I don't, you know, like, like maybe you go try clubbing and you go up to club and you're like, I'm going to hit it up and you're like, ah, it just doesn't do it anymore. Maybe certain things you watched or certain things you participated in or language you used. And you could just, because the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, convicts you of the things. Remember I said what sin was? Is that sin, and you'll learn more about this um, in, in a series on the road, which we'll talk about sin. Talk about really cool things to thrive. Sin and the Holy Spirit. Don't you just want to come back? <laughs> the sin is not just missing a mark. Sin is you not getting to live to God's fullest original potential for you. It's the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 there's something better for you. Let, let's not do that. This is much better for you. Um, for instance, the whole, conviction is kind of like this. My son, when he gets overtired, um, he puts his fingers in his mouth a lot. He's eight years old. I'm like, you know, so he's sitting there putting his fingers in And we're actually playing basketball. We're, I brought him out here and we played ball. He's sticking his fingers in his mouth. I said, son, stop. Just stop. He's like, why? What's such a big deal? I said, because there's germs everywhere like this. You can't just, that's how, that's the way you'll get sick. Let's not just put our fingers in our mouth. It's not good for us. It's not a good habit to have. Um, why? Because I don't want him to grow up as an adult walking around like this. <laughs> he doesn't even think that way. He's just thinking, what's the big deal? The Holy Spirit's like, get your fingers out your mouth. You're like, why? <laughs> what's the big deal? <laughs> and that's what conviction is. Conviction is not this thing where he beats you down and condemns you. Con condemnation is from the enemy. That's shame. That's you're not good enough. Look at what you've done. You should have known better. How dare you? God is so upset with you. That's what condemnation is. I didn't tell my son that. I didn't look at him in disgust. Ugh, your fingers in your mouth. So gross. No, 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 no. It's conviction, not condemnation. 
Like, hey, hey, son, no, 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 let, let me help you because here's why. Because I want you to grow up to be an adult that doesn't walk around your fingers or your mouth because I want you to be successful in life and have a good life, right? Understand the difference because the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. But he doesn't only just do that. The next thing the Holy Spirit does, he convinces of righteousness. See, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, in the same breath, he then convinces you of your righteousness. Because remember what Christianity is. It's not works-based righteousness where you are right with God through how good you are. Christianity is you have imputed righteousness. That means you have the righteousness of God in Christ. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees you as righteous in your position with him. Isn't that beautiful? The psalmist David, we all love David, right? David and Goliath, King David, greatest man ever. Do you know what David said about us? He looked into the future and said, I wish I could have what you have. He said, blessed is the man who has imputed righteousness, not works-based righteousness. Because that's all he knew. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. So when you sin and he convicts you, he doesn't just stop there. He says, man, and do you realize that you are the righteousness of God in Christ? Wow. You know, I can tell my son, stop that, man. I want you to be better, and, and I'm proud of you. You're, I'll tell him I'm proud of him. He's like, well, why, why are you proud of me? What did I do? I said, you don't have to do anything to be proud of you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so if you ever have the voice in your head of how bad you are, how worthless you are, how you should be ashamed of yourself, you don't, you don't even step foot in church, you have no right to call yourself a Christian. If you ever hear those things, that's condemnation, that's not conviction. And if the Holy Spirit convicts you, you will also be convinced of your righteousness all in one, right? The next thing the Holy Spirit does for us is the Holy Spirit teaches us God's truths like the truth of scripture before you know the lord all the all the bible is is a historic book it doesn't make a lot of sense paul says that the natural man the one who has not been regenerated by the holy spirit who's not surrendered to jesus does not they can't understand any of scripture it doesn't make sense to them i remember before i was saved it didn't make sense i tried to read the bible and when I became regenerated, when I gave my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelt me, it was like a light bulb went off. I didn't understand everything. But some things started making sense. And so I would read the Bible, and I would highlight and underline my Bible the things that made sense. Because the Holy Spirit was revealing to me what I needed right then. He reveals you the truth of God. And he shows you through Scripture what that truth is. Remember, he's a person. He gets grieved. He teaches. He guides. He is not a force. And the primary work of the Holy Spirit after he regenerates you, I'm going to talk about that today because here is why the Holy Spirit exists. is to make Christ known to the world. Once he regenerates you, the primary work is to make Christ known to the world. And so if you have your notes, write this down because here's what he does. He gives us the responsibility and the power to live on mission that the Father be glorified, that the world come to know who Jesus Christ is. And so when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit then wants to empower you. Remember, the Father sent the Son. Thank God for that, right? The Son sent the Spirit, but it doesn't end from there. Now the Holy Spirit of God wants to send you. Where is he sending me? Anywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Because that is the work of the Spirit. And I've said this over and over again. 
Too many people, in, and we're, we live in a culture, let me just say this, it is very sick, the culture we live in. Do you know, understand why I believe why so many young people face depression um, is what, what social media has done to us? It's not, social media is not the problem, we're the problem. People say, well, social media is the problem. No, humans are the problem. Amen? It, who's on social media? Human beings. And the problem is, is that we present it to people, especially Christians, that we're called to be great. We have some special, unique, grandiose calling, this unique thing that God wants to do. And you know what that really is? That's just narcissism. Because nowhere did you see the Apostle Paul or any of the martyrs of our faith want to be great and seen and known and unique and special. They only wanted to tell the gospel to anyone who would listen. That's what the Apostle Paul did. There was no such thing as being famous or great or having a stinking platform, getting followers, right? And if you're looking for purpose inside of that junk, you're going to be depressed your whole life. Friends, I say that, and here's why I say this with all, I work with senior pastors. Can I tell you they're the most depressed people I've ever met in my life? Clinically depressed miserable, smiling on stage, social media, everything's great, because they've been tricked into narcissism, not spreading the gospel, not the work of the Holy Spirit, and can I tell you, I had fallen into the same trap before too, depression, anger, anxiety, over and over again, because I did not understand one thing. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to give me a platform. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help me to go after the mission of Jesus by sharing the gospel with anyone who would listen. Amen? That's what I'm called to do. My goal is to not stay in a Christian bubble and to try to make Christians happy all week because it's impossible, right? You know that, right? My goal is to get out among people who don't know Jesus and become their friends and to connect with them and to live life with them, and to be with them, and wait for doors, for the opportunity for the gospel to be shared. And that's where you, when, when you let that mission empower you, and you embrace that mission, can I tell you something? That's when you find purpose. Because no matter where you're at, you could find purpose. Paul was in a prison writing letters, finding purpose, sharing the gospel singing the praises of Jesus, people coming to Christ. Paul would be out in the, in the courtyards sharing the gospel, conversations with people at Mars Hill. Paul, everywhere, that's, that's where he found purpose. And I want you to understand the same thing, because I believe in our society, especially in the Western Christian world, friends, we have lost our sense of what the purpose of our individual lives are and the purpose of, of the church is, and it's that. And what you want to understand is this, if we, if we miss this, here's what happens. If we misinterpret, we will end up mis misusing. If we misinterpret, we'll end up misusing. Meaning that if you misinterpret who the Holy Spirit is and what his purpose is, and we'll talk more about that in the next several weeks, then you're going to misuse the Holy Spirit. You're going to think the Holy Spirit's, oh, I got goosebumps. Woo. I can hear somebody sing a song and give me goosebumps, it has nothing to do with Jesus, right? Amen. We can turn the air down a little bit in here. I'll give you some goosebumps. Now, can sometimes you sense the Holy Spirit? Sure, you sure can. Amen. Thank God for that. But the Holy Spirit, do not dumb him down to goosebumps. 
If you misuse the Holy Spirit, you're going to dumb him down to hollering and shouting and hooping. I, listen, I got saved in a church like that. And my experience was in that church was what they were after was just an experience every week. The Holy Spirit was, and they didn't give a flying flip about anybody in their community, about most of them, about the gospel. They didn't care. I, I knew the people. I mean, there's people I knew. Sharing the gospel, living on mission, their neighbors coming to know Jesus, living life with the unchurched. No, it was come to church as much as you can, and let's have as long as worship as you can. And the, listen, and when I, the church I got saved in at 20 years old, if the preacher didn't preach, that was an amazing day. Some of y'all laugh because you know those churches, right? Woo, the Holy Spirit moved. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. And there were times, yes, there are times that you will linger in worship, but you better have the Word of God in your life as well. And so I, so I got saved in this spectrum where it was very charismatic. And what I did was this. Instead of getting wrapped up in it, I'm, I'm a skeptical person. I observed. I observed. Can I tell you what I did? When they had the revival guy come, and he's slapping people on the head and they're falling out. You've seen it, right? Some of y'all have seen it only on TV. This stuff is real. This happens in church. I said this right here. I said, that man better be full of the power of God because I'm not giving a courtesy call. He came. <laughs> he put his head on and we, oh, and he was speaking in tongues. He was pushing. He was pushing. And he was pushing. Go down. Go down. And he was hitting me in the head. I was like, man, you better bring it, son. If it ain't real, it ain't happening. <laughs> now, I learned things out of that, that tradition. I learned how to pray. Some of those praying people I've ever met, and they would really pray. Not God bless me, God bless you, God bless them. Not vacation Bible school prayers. And I learned about the Holy Spirit. But I saw the misusing of the Holy Spirit because they misinterpreted. And on the other side of the tradition... I mean, it's like, let's don't talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's don't talk about any of that stuff. Let's just kind of pretend that the Holy Spirit, like, doesn't exist. Let's just kind of keep it. It's like the drunk cousin at, at a party somewhere, like, at, at reunions. Keep that drink. Let's just not, let's, let's keep them out by themselves. Keep them quarantined over there. Because we really don't want to open that can of worms because there's so much we just maybe not understand about the Holy Spirit. And what I understand is this. If we misinterpret misinter the, the person of the Spirit and the role of the Spirit, What's going to happen, and the purpose of the Spirit, what's going to happen is you're going to misuse the Holy Spirit. Either you're going to pretend that He doesn't exist, or you're going to over-sensualize the Holy Spirit and everything. Just, it's just weird, right? It just gets really strange when people over-sensualize something with the Holy Spirit. And I want to bring you back to center and focus. That the Holy Spirit, the primary work, we'll talk about secondary works, don't get me wrong, there are secondary works, right, that come. But the first work that we have to embrace with the Holy Spirit's working life, after he re regenerates you and you're a follower of Jesus, here's what he's going to ask you to do. I want you to write this down. Pursue the mission. Don't misinterpret. You'll misuse. But pursue the mission. What is the mission? Jesus gives it to his disciples in Acts 1.8. Jesus has been resurrected. He's been on the earth 40 days. And this is his last time teaching his disciples. This is it. Grand finale. Final teaching. And here's what he says to them. He says, but you will receive power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, will you receive power to fall out on the floor somewhere in a church? 
Well, you're gonna receive, he said you're going to receive power so you'll get goosebumps? I'm, I'm teasing some things out, right? But I'm being honest with you. Here's what he talks about when he says power. But you will receive power. A hoop and holler and run around and shake and all that. If that's your faith tradition, do it. I don't care. If that makes you feel good, do it. I have friends with churches like that. And I don't make fun of them. I'm, I'm glad that they, but, but here's, here's what Jesus says. You'll be my, listen, you will be what? My witnesses. The way you know the Holy Spirit is empowering you is you become his witness. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. And we went over this before, but Jerusalem is your hometown, your people, people close to you, just like you. Judea is maybe people who are, maybe you work with. Maybe you aren't like you, but you're in the same uh, vicinity. Samaria is people who are nothing like you, and maybe even you never had a relationship with them. Maybe you grew up somewhere where you didn't have friends of, of, of maybe a different race. And you become friends with, with, with people of different races. That's God, God, we're all one, right? And you start crossing lines, or maybe somebody likes hunting and you like sports, and now you become a friend with them and try to reach them. It's crossing lines that you've never really, it's cultural differences. There's a guy at the bus stop that, that I connect with who is, is Hindu from India. I'm just building friendship with him. I shake his hand every morning, look him in the eyes, ask him how he's doing. I want to learn about his life. That, that's Samaria for me. I, don't, I, don't have, I didn't grow up with, Hindu, with friends who were Hindu, right? And then the, the outermost parts, that's when you're willing to go wherever God calls you to share the gospel. But he says, he says this, will you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you? For what? The primary work is to be a witness of the testimony of the goodness and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to know this morning uh, about the Holy Spirit is this, when it comes to that. Because what happened after that, after, after Acts 1-8, Jesus says, go to the upper room and pray and wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost. The Holy Spirit of God comes and fills the disciples in the upper room. And it says they all spoke with other tongues. And it looked like fire was resting on them. And we get so caught up in this tongues thing. Do you know what happened there? They were speaking the languages of all these people who had traveled and did pilgrimage for the, the, the feast of Pentecost. The Jewish feast. All these people from different languages and had come from all over to, to come and worship. And in this upper room, they all start speaking in their other languages they didn't even know. And those people heard the gospel. The faith tradition that I got saved in, all they focused on was the people speaking in tongues and, and all this stuff. Fire and tongues, all that. They forgot about it. It wasn't about them. It was about the people who had not heard the gospel. And they were speaking in a known language where other people heard the gospel. And so you have to understand that when the Holy Spirit fills you, when he comes into your life, he indwells you, here's what he's going to do for you. First of all, the Spirit enables us to relate the gospel to others. He relate, relate the gospel to others. The first thing that happened in Acts 2, when they spoke of these other tongues that were other languages, they spoke in other languages, the people heard the gospel in their own language. It made sense to them. They understood the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your context. Because you have a story of how God has shaped you, how God has saved you, what God is doing in you. And that is going to relate to somebody else, right? Some of you in recovery, you think, man, why have to go through that? But you're going to help people that are, in, that are going through recovery. 
you're going to relate to them, right? You understand that he enables us to relate to others. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, he enables us to receive power to witness. Power. If you're scared, it's okay. I get scared about witnessing and sharing the gospel. I do. And it's why I say, faith over fear. You just got to have faith. Like, just, okay, you go do you, boo, right? I'm, you're, you're, way, you're, you're Superman of, of Christianity. You go be Superman. I'm scared. It's weird. It's awkward. Open to that. It is, right? It, it is. You wonder when you say the right thing. Is this too much? Is it not enough? Like, I mean, I, I have all these same, you know, insecurities. But here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be able to do it while you're afraid. He doesn't take fear away sometimes. Sometimes he gives you the power while you're afraid, while you're second-guessing yourself to do it. And so if you're wondering, man, I've never really, really saw my life as a missionary. I've never really seen my life to pursue mission. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. Think about Peter. Cussed out a servant girl. I don't know Jesus. And then it was standing up to the same men 50 days later saying, y'all need to repent, ready to die for Jesus. What happened? The power of God, the power of God. And finally this morning, the Holy Spirit enables us to live on a co-mission with Christ. Acts, I mean, excuse me, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus gives what we call the Great Commission. It's a co-mission. We're working together. He says, go, and as you're going, make disciples. There were, there were no Christians yet. He had not yet ascended. The Holy Spirit had not come. The church wasn't born. Disciple-making starts the moment you start sharing the gospel with someone. Jesus has invited you to a co-mission. And what you have to do, first of all, is get over yourself if you're a follower of Jesus. All the things you're not good enough, don't know enough, and all that... Holy Spirit will give you power to witness. And I want you to understand, if you're searching for purpose in life, make that your purpose. That every day you get up, keep your head on a swivel and understand the Holy Spirit of God came. He has to regenerate us, to give us relationship with our Father, right? But what he wants to do, right, that the primary work is to put you on mission every day of your life. Yes, you. You're thinking, me? Yes, you. That's the missional aspect of our Father. The Father sent the Son, right? The Son sent the Spirit, right? And what does the Holy Spirit do? He sends us. He wants to empower us and send us. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray for every follower of Jesus in here that, number one, they would know and they would even just sense the oneness we have with you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit that we have union and communion with you, Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, who indwells us, who has regenerated us, who wants to give us the mind of Christ, and who wants to empower us to be witnesses. Lord, may we make that our mission and our purpose, Lord. Help us, Lord. There's many of us in here that are, that are afraid, that are fearful, that are shy, that are unsure that we know enough, that are insecure, God, give us the power in the middle of all of that to be able to be your witnesses. People need to hear the gospel. They need to hear our story. And as we're praying today, church, maybe you realize that you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered. 
and you want to be regenerated. You want to be made alive spiritually by giving your life to Christ. Whether you're in here physically or watching online, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I need the Savior. I need Jesus. I repent of my sins. I turn from my old life. Give you my life. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he's the son of God. Today I confess Jesus as my Lord. Now Lord, give me the, the, the power, give me the power to share Jesus with 